Father, in the name of Jesus, we'll give you praise. We thank you. Bless your holy name. Thank you, Lord. As we celebrate your entry in Jerusalem this day, as we remember your entry into Jerusalem this day, we pray, Lord, that the benefit of the cross, we will enjoy the benefit of the cross, ourselves, our family members, and our friends. In Jesus' name, amen. Right. So I'm, I'm talking on don't miss a prophetic moment. And I first of all want to read, um, just establish a few things from Romans chapter 12. The Bible says that I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2 says that, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and perfect will of God. And I want to read one more scripture and then we'll continue. Luke chapter 19, verse 28 to 44. And this is the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. It was captured in all the other Gospels, but I just chose the one recorded by Luke. Dr. Luke. Right, so Luke chapter 19, Bible says in verse 28, when he had said this, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mountain called Olivet, and he sent two of his disciples, saying, go, in, go into the village opposite you. As you enter, you will find a colt tied, a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Lose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you losing it? Thus you should you shall say to the him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as it was said to them. But when they were loosing the cord, the owners said to them, Why are you loosing the cord? And they said, The Lord has need of it. Then they brought him to Jesus. And they threw their own clothes on the court, and they set Jesus on him. And he went, and uh, sorry, and as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. For the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees, and some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciple. But he answered and said to them, I tell you, if this should keep quiet, the stones will immediately cry out. Now as he drew near the city, now as he drew near 
he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you especially, in this day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. From this day, from the day, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, close you on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you in you one stone up another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Amen. I read a very long passage, but it covers the move, the, the walk, Jesus Christ walking into Jerusalem. The first verse that I read was Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2, where the Bible says that I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, sacrifices, when sacrifices were offered, they represented dead things. So they offered dead things as sacrifice. They would bring a lamb, slaughter the lamb, and present the lamb, a dead sacrifice. But in New Testament, the Bible says that we should present our body as a living sacrifice, which means that as we are living right now on earth, we are supposed to present ourselves as a sacrifice. How is that going to be possible? It's possible because we are going to be dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. And so the body of sin is dead and we, our spirit is alive unto righteousness. That is how we present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, the things that were set apart as holy, the things, the utensils that were used in the temple of God for worship were set apart. They were anointed and set apart, separated from other utensils because they were meant for special use, for special purpose. And so those utensils were identified as holy utensils. Why? Because they are set apart for the use of the law. And so the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, that we also are supposed to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, which is holy. Holy means that we have also been set apart from the world. We cannot do our things like the worldly people do. We cannot go to the places of, or, or um, practice the things that the worldly people do because we have been set apart for the Lord. In the Old Testament, when things were set apart for God, they were not for ordinary use. And so as believers who have the Spirit of God, which has set us apart from the rest of the world, we are not to engage in other things that the worldly people do because we have been set apart by the presence of God. And so this scripture tells us, first of all, I beseech you by the message of God, present your body as a living sacrifice, which means your body is dead to sin but alive to righteousness. And then moves on to say which is holy and acceptable. Holy means means you have been separated from the things of the world. You have been separated from the love of the world. The Bible says, do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, then love of the Father is not in him. And so we have been separated from the things of the world, separated unto God. Therefore, we are holy. So our holiness comes from our separation from God. And the presence of the Holy Spirit that has been put upon us, that has been put in our life to separate us, to mark us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit has been given as a guarantee to indicate that we belong to God. 
it's, it's God's seal on us. It is God's mark on us to, to indicate that we belong to God and we have been separated from all other things. Now, when a manufacturer manufactures a cloth, they put their seal on it to show that this was manufactured by me. That is how God has made us. He's put his seal on us as believers to prove that we belong to him. So the Bible says we are holy and um, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And the Bible says that it is our reasonable act of worship or our reasonable sacrifice or our reasonable service. And so therefore, any other thing apart from that, it's not reasonable. If you don't present your body, imagine that you give a child, maybe you give a child $100 and you ask the child, give me $1 out of the $100 that I have given you. And the child says, no, I'm not going to give you because the child does not understand the value of what you have given him. It's like God giving us everything and giving us our whole life and asking us to just present our body as a living sacrifice. As a matter of fact, it is to our own benefit if we present our body as a living sacrifice because we are created in the image of God and we can only be at our fullest potential when we find ourselves in the presence of God, doing the will of God, presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice unto God. So we are dead to sin, we are alive to righteousness. We are not supposed to be conformed to the world, but we are supposed to be transformed by the word of God. It means that anytime we listen to the word of God, we don't only receive information, or the word of God does not only come to confirm our biases or the things that we already know, but the word of God comes to transform our lives, transform our lives and renew our mind. Anytime we read the word of God, we are supposed to change our mindset concerning things. We must allow the word of God to change our mind concerning the things that we already know, the things that we already believe. Some of those things are not even in line with the word of God. But anytime we receive revelation from the word of God, we allow that word to transform us and we allow that word to renew our mind, to change our mind. We can only move towards being like Jesus Christ when we constantly allow the word of God to change and renew our mind and change the way we think. As we allow the word of God to work on our hearts and work on our lives and change us, we, come, we become more and more like Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says, after you present your body as a living sacrifice, do not be conformed to the world, but let the word of God transform you so as you are renewing your mind, your character begins to change. You don't now conform to the world, but you conform to the word of God. And that is the transformation that Bible is talking about. That is the renewal. That is the change of mind that the word of God expects us, um, the word of God expects to happen in our life. It is the expectation of God that our lives will, will be renewed. Our lives will be transformed and our minds will be renewed. As we study the word of God, as we receive the word of God, we don't have to remain the same. It is illegal to remain the same when you accept the word of God. You have to allow the word of God to change you. To as you practice the word of God, you change and become more and more like Jesus Christ. The Bible says that after we have presented our body as the living sacrifice, after we have allowed ourselves to be transformed by the word of God, now this is what happened. We are able to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, Paul gives us a progression of the will of God or gives us 
a guideline of the will of God that is mentioned here. He says there is what is called the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. He gives us an indication of types of the will of God. The good will of God is the general will of God for his people. So God has a general will for his people. For instance, or, or not for his people, but for people. General goodwill for everyone. God, you can tell from the nature of God that he has a will towards people. For them to live life, for them to prosper, for them to know him, for them to live a healthy life, for them to um, pursue his will. He has a general, um, pursue his purpose for them. He has a general will for everyone. For instance, in the book of Samuel, the Bible tells us that all the other nations around Israel had kings. And so Israel also came to Samuel that they wanted a king. The general will of God for the people at that time is that they will have a king. But the will of God, the perfect will of God for Israel at that time was not for them to have a king but was for him to be their king. But Israel wanted to be part of the general will. A lot of believers walk in the general will or the good will of God because they do not seek the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God is the tailor-made will of God for a person at a particular time. So at every point in time, there is the good will, which is the general will, and the perfect will, of God for every one of us but most of the times we don't seek the perfect will of God in prayer and so when we are given two choices as believers obviously I would say that believers you know sin is evil so you will not go that path but when you are given two good choices what choice would you make would you just use your mind to make the smartest choice would you just use your your natural mind to decide which one what to do or would you seek the will of god in those two good choices and so believers are in the realm or in the place where they are confronted with just good choices because we know what is evil and we'll avoid it but when we are faced with good choices are we going to press on to just select any of those are we just going to select any of the good ones or are we going to seek god's perfect will in that situation so israel wanted a king which wasn't god's perfect will for them they wanted to be like every other person but like i read earlier believers are called to 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 stand out and not to be like every other person so israel wanted a king and god said okay samuel give them a king because they have not rejected you but they have rejected me. And so God allowed them to have a king, even though it wasn't his perfect will. Then Israel moved into the acceptable will of God. So God, acceptable will or permissive will of God. So God permitted Israel to have a king, but that wasn't his plan. God was preparing a king for them. God gave them a king, one that they wanted. But later God prepared a king after his own heart and give them that king but when god allowed israel to have a king that wasn't his perfect will but he allowed it and so that is the acceptable will of god there are things that god will allow in our life but does not necessarily mean that those things are his perfect will for us he accepts 
he accepted their request, allowed them to have a king, but that wasn't his perfect will. That was his acceptable will. But Paul says in the book of Romans that if we renew our mind by the word of God and we allow the word of God to transform us, we'll be able to prove, we'll be able to tell what is the good, what is the acceptable, and what is the perfect will of God so that we will walk in line in the perfect will of God. Once we are, And this comes through allowing the word of God to transform you. And that is why we must take in the word of God. We must allow the word of God to dwell in us. The word of God has to be our food. That's why God told Joshua that, that you shall meditate on this word daily. You should not allow the word to, to leave your mind. You should not allow the word to um, say uh, in Joshua chapter 1 verse, verse 8. Do not allow the book of the Lord to depart from your mouth, but you, may, you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to as it is written, for it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. So God told Joshua, a young leader who was to replace Moses, that if you want to have good success, you must not allow the word of God to, to depart from your mouth. You should meditate Think about the Word of God. Let it constantly be in your mind. You see, one of the ways to hear the voice of God, voice of the Holy Spirit, is to meditate. When, when you have a problem, you are confronted with a situation, pick one scripture that talks about that situation you are confronted with. Meditate on that scripture. Use it as your prayer. It is one of the ways that you can hear God direct you and you, you can sense the leadings of God. And so God told Joshua, if you want to be successful, meditate on the, on the Word of God. Do not let it um, depart from your mouth. Speak it. Meditate on it. Matter it to yourself. And think about it. And also observe to do everything that is written in it. And then you will make your way prosperous. And you will have good success. And in Romans, the Bible says that once we allow the word of God to transform us, we renew our minds with the word of God, then we, we are able to prove the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Now to the passage that I just read in Luke. This was the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ to Jerusalem. Jesus Christ walked into Jerusalem. He walked willingly into Jerusalem to lay down his lives. To lay down his life. Even when the people thought or the disciples thought that he was not supposed to go into Jerusalem. He walked boldly, willingly into Jerusalem. And the Bible says that as he was going into Jerusalem, he instructed his disciples to go and get a donkey and that he was going to sit on this donkey and walk into Jerusalem and with the donkey. The Bible tells us that nobody has ever sat on this donkey before. And Jesus gave them some instructions that when you are about to untie the donkey, some people, when anybody asks you, why are you untying the donkey? Just tell them that the Lord has need of it. And so Jesus Christ already saw what was going to happen in the future. And that is why we can be confident as believers that the Lord knows our future and has already made provision for the future. He knew that these disciples were going to be confronted with people who were going to ask why they were untying the donkey. And so he gave them an answer for the future, for the questions that are in their future. If you have questions concerning your future, the 
best person to answer those questions is our Lord Jesus Christ because he knows our future and he has already made provision. So the Lord did not send the disciples on a mission that he had not made provision for them. He sent them on the mission and gave them a word for that mission. He says, if anybody confronts you, if anybody asks you anything, just tell them that the Lord has need of the donkey. And when lo and behold, when they got there and they were about losing the donkey, the Bible says the owners found and asked them, why are you untying the donkey? Then he, they told them, they gave them the answer that the Lord gave them. The Lord has need of it. And as they were, the Lord, they brought the donkey to the Lord and he sat on it and moved towards Jerusalem. The Bible says that as he was moving towards Jerusalem, the people, they, they threw their own clothes on this court and they sat Jesus on him. This is a court that nobody has even used before. For the first time, the court that people will have declared useless because this, this court was there or this donkey was there. The rain will fall on the donkey. The sun will shine on the donkey. They will just feed the donkey and leave the donkey. Nobody ever used it. But Jesus Christ took this donkey. This donkey that seemed like worthless to his owner. Because if the owner really wanted a donkey and somebody came to untie a donkey that they really wanted, they wouldn't have just taken the answer. The Lord has need of it and allowed, it, allowed the donkey to go. Without question, without any argument, without any fight, this donkey has been relegated to the background, dropped, and nobody was using it. But the Lord knew that there was a donkey somewhere. And this donkey today, people spread their clothes on the road for this donkey because of the presence of God. And so if the presence of Jesus Christ on this donkey was able to transform this donkey who was somewhat useless to the owners, and today people put their clothes on the road for the donkey to walk on, then we should understand that we are never useless. We are never worthless in the presence of God. Because of his presence in our lives, we are never useless. We are never worthless. The Bible tells us that we are bought with a price. The Lord bought us with a price. He bought us with a heavy price. And so we are never worthless or we are never useless. When God wanted us to become his children, he had to sacrifice his son. That was the price that God placed on each one of us. And so we are valuable to God. If God paid, you see, if you buy something, let's say you buy a phone, a new phone, a new iPhone, maybe, and it's about $1,000. Because you know that the phone is about $1,000, you buy a screen protector, you buy a case just to make sure that when the phone drops, it will not get spoiled. If you buy a Nokia phone or any other phone for $100, you know you can keep it anywhere, it can fall anywhere. $100 is still something, right? But compared to $1,000, the level of protection you give to the $1,000 will be higher than the one you give to the $100. Am I right in this analogy? Yes. Because the price of the $1,000 is so high. And that is the price that God placed on us. Not $1,000, but the life of His <laughs> But the life of His Son. And so God will defend and preserve us because we are valuable in His eyes. So let not allow anyone or anything make us feel that we are worthless. No matter where we find ourselves, God bought us with that price. And so God values us. 
And so when the people began to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to Jesus Christ, they were happy that they had seen him. Now, one thing that we have to know is that Israel, throughout their history, anytime they were under bondage, God sends one man to bring them deliverance. And so when Israel was under bondage in Egypt, God sent Moses to be the leader who would come and deliver them out of Egypt. After Moses, God gave them Joshua, who led them to the promised land. And when you read the book of Judges, God always brought one person to bring Israel under, um, to bring Israel deliverance when they are under captivity. And so God will bring, raise a man like Gideon, like Deborah, a woman like Deborah, like Samson, to be the one who will lead Israel, like Jephthah, and bring them out of captivity and out of slavery or out of the bondage that they were in. At the time when Jesus Christ came and Jesus Christ walked into Jerusalem, Israel was under Roman captivity. Israel was under the Roman Empire. And so when they said, Hosanna to the king, they saw Jesus Christ like how the, the others saw Moses. They thought Jesus Christ was going to overturn the rule of the Roman citizens, I'm sorry, the Roman Empire, and give Israel the liberty or the freedom they wanted. That was what they were thinking, that Jesus Christ, oh, Hosanna to the king. This is the king who has come in their minds as they have seen God using Jesus Christ to, to, um, to do so many wonderful things. They saw Jesus Christ like Moses, like this is the man who is going to bring us deliverance. But Jesus Christ came to bring us a higher deliverance. Yes, we are all under the bondage of sin. Jesus Christ came to set us free from that bondage. Just like God sent Moses to deliver the people of Israel from Egypt, Jesus Christ to bring, came, to, came to the world to bring spiritual liberty. And the people did not recognize it. They wanted physical liberty. They wanted freedom from the Roman, um, the Roman Empire and the king at that time. But Jesus came to bring a higher liberty. Came to bring us freedom from sin. Freedom from captivity of the enemy. From the bondage of darkness. He came to set us free. But the people at that time were not expecting that, that, that type of freedom. And so when they said, blessed is the king. Who comes in the name of the Lord? Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. All the people who were singing at that time, they were expecting deliverance from Roman captivity. The disciples who were also around were excited and were jumping because they knew if Jesus Christ becomes the king at that time, they were going to become the generals. <laughs> and so they were expecting some ministerial appointments. So when they were singing, Blessed is the king, Hosanna, 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 the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They thought Jesus was an earthly king. And when he was walking into Jerusalem, they thought he was going to make Jerusalem his place or his, his um, like, like we have Washington as the, 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 um, the seat of government. They thought Jerusalem was going to be the seat of his government. And so they welcomed him into Jerusalem with singing and dancing, putting their clothes there. The people around were experiencing something that was so wonderful, something that was part of God's plan. One of the most important or the most important plan that God ever had for humanity after the fall of Adam was the death of Jesus Christ. All the people around were witnessing what was going to be the crowning of the purpose of God for humanity 
but they missed the purpose. They missed God's agenda. They missed God's will at that time. They were singing and they were dancing. They were jumping and they were happy. They were laying down their clothes for the donkey, but they did not understand what they were experiencing. They did not understand what was happening at that time. They did not understand the purpose of God at that time. So even though they were singing and jumping, they couldn't understand the purpose. Even the disciples, when you read the book of John, they also did not understand why Jesus Christ was walking in Jerusalem. They thought that this was the moment that he was going to be crowned a king and they were going to be, they were going to be generals of the king. The Pharisees at that time were also offended. They also did not understand what was happening. Bible says, and some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd and they said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. These Pharisees were jealous that the people were singing and praising Jesus Christ. They did not understand what was happening at that time. They did not understand the purpose of God at that time. Jesus Christ told them that if these people are supposed to keep quiet, the stones are going to sing. The stones are going to raise their voices and sing. And so this was a wonderful occasion a prophetic moment that has been prophesied in the Bible long before Jesus Christ came. It was prophesied 400 years ago that Jesus Christ was going to come in, a, was going to sit on a cult and enter into Jerusalem and he was going to be crucified. The prophetic moment, every the people who were witnessing the prophetic moment did not understand what the prophetic moment meant. And that's why I chose the theme don't miss a prophetic moment. Sometimes you could be observing a prophetic moment and you will take it for granted or you will not understand what is happening. You will not understand the purpose of God in that moment. And that is why when we hear some good news and we hear a revival somewhere, we hear that God is doing something somewhere. Let's not take it for granted, but let us understand the will and the purpose of God in that moment. And so as they were jumping, the people who were jumping and celebrating didn't understand. The disciples who were following and partakers of the, this wonderful moment and wonderful occasion in the agenda and the plan of God did not understand what was going on. And the people at that time who were seen as the religious leaders were envious of what was happening. They also didn't understand that this was the occasion they were all expecting. This was the moment that God had prepared to set people free, to set the whole world free from the bondage of the enemy. They were observing a prophetic moment, yet they did not understand. And so the Bible says that Jesus Christ... Jesus Christ wept over the city. Because the people did not understand what was going on. He wept over the city. I just want to read that. The Bible says, Now when he drew near, in verse 41, and saw the city, he wept over it. The people did not understand what was happening. Jesus was grieved, was so sad, that this occasion... That was a wonderful time in the, in, the pl in the plan of God. The people did not understand it. They missed the whole point. Even the people who were celebrating missed the point. The people who were jumping and shouting Hosanna missed the point. Jesus Christ wept over the city. And I pray that as we celebrate Easter, we the ones who are celebrating Easter, 
really understand the reason why we celebrate Easter. Today, Easter has been reduced to Easter Bunny and has been reduced to eggs and has, has been commercialized by the world. It is time for the world to sell so many things to the people. But do we really understand the purpose of Easter? As we are celebrating Easter, today being the Palm Sunday, this week being the Holy Week, till Friday when Jesus Christ was crucified, it is a time for us to reflect on the plan and the purpose of God. That we will not just be in the flow and miss the importance of what we are witnessing and miss the importance of what Easter means to the whole world and miss the importance of what this week meant to gen generations that will come after us and even our generation. This was so important in the plan of God. This was an important week as we remember East, the, the death of Jesus Christ. We should remember the significance and the importance of the death. Let's not be saying Hosanna and rejoicing and shouting, laying down palm branches, laying down our clothes, and do not understand what is happening. I pray that as we celebrate Easter, we will understand what Easter means. We'll understand what the death of Jesus Christ and why Jesus Christ died for us. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. This is my prayer. That we'll not just commercialize this celebration and buy things and go for lunch. And, and, and t I remember when I was in California, and I met this guy who had a Jewish background. We were going on Easter break. We were going on, it was Good Friday, and we had a holiday. So I asked him, do you know what Easter means? Do you know why we celebrate Easter? He said, no, he doesn't. All he knows growing up is Easter at the time, they have Easter bunnies. They, he knows about the Easter eggs and all those things. And so are we going to pass on Easter celebration to an, a generation which would not even know what Easter means? And it would all be about Easter bunnies. I'm not saying all this thing, all those things are not nice. Fine. Those things are probably cultural, but there is the meaning of Easter that we must not allow all those things to replace. We must continue to remind people that Easter is about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We should tell people it's about his death. First, his crucifixion, his death, his burial, and then his resurrection. And so when these people were celebrating, were shouting, and the Pharisees were, were offended by the fact that people were saying, Hosanna to the king. Bible says, when Jesus drew near to Jerusalem, he wept over it, saying that if you had known, even you especially, in this, your day, the things that were made for your peace. Jesus was saying, listen, the, this day is the day that was going to bring peace to this city. But you people don't even know. If you knew the price that was to be paid for your peace, you wouldn't, have been, you wouldn't be saying the things that you are saying now. But the Bible says, he says, but now they are hidden from your eyes. So he was going to pay the price for the peace of the whole world. Yet the people of that time didn't even know. He said, if you had known, especially this day, the day that I'm walking into Jerusalem, if you have known the things that were made for your peace, if you had known the price that was to be paid for your peace, but it has been hidden from your eyes. We pray that we will not experience prophetic moments that will be hidden from our eyes. I keep telling people that the 
prophecies of the end time, when we expecting them to happen in a certain spectacular way, that was that is going to be announced. That this is the end time. This is things. These things are hap- happening because Jesus Christ is going to return. But we 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 might miss it because we are not paying attention to the will and the purpose of God in that time. These people were not paying attention to the will and the purpose of God at that time, so they missed the time of their visitation. The Bible says further, Jesus Christ says, for the days will come upon you and your enemies will embark around you. Sorry, let me just read the old King James for this one. Better still, let me just keep this one. He says, for the days will come upon you, your enemies will build embankments around you and surround you, and you they'll close you on every side and level and level you and your children within to the ground, and they will not live in one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Sorry, I'm not okay. The last verse, verse 44, says, Because you did not know the time of your visitation. This was a time that God was visiting Jerusalem. God was going to bring to pass his ultimate plan for the world. But the people missed it. Others were celebrating, shouting, jumping. Others were laying down their clothes. But they had a different expectation from God. And the Bible says, because they did not know the time of their visitation, they are going to pay their pr- the price and their children were also going to pay the price because they missed the time of their visitation. Their children are going to pay the price through their parents because their parents are paying the price. And after Jesus Christ made this prophecy, Jerusalem was attacked. The temple was run down. Everything was destroyed. They missed the time that God visited them. Let's not miss the time when God visits us. Because God is going to visit us. God is going to visit the city as we are praying over the city. God is going to visit this nation as we are praying over the the nation. Let's not miss it when God visits us. That's why I don't take any revival or any news of revival for granted. It It takes the visitation of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit for a revival to happen. It does not take man's power. It takes God visiting his people for a revival to happen. So let's be happy that we are living in this generation, that we hear of a revival happening somewhere. We pray that that fire will continue. But let's not miss our visitation. Let's not enjoy and flow in a moment, but miss the purpose of God for that moment. As Jesus Christ was walking into Jerusalem, the people were rejoicing and shouting and making noise, but they did not understand the purpose of God for that moment. They did not understand the will of God and why Jesus Christ was walking into Jerusalem. They did not know what God's plan was. They missed the time of the visitation. They missed the prophetic moment. This was a moment that had been prophesied about several years ago that Jesus was going to run into, was going to walk into Jerusalem on a cult and he was going to be crucified. If the people who studied the Bible, if the people who read the law were really paying attention to the content of the Bible, sorry, the content of the law, they would have known 
what was happening, but they were not paying attention to the content of the law. In, in the same way, if we are paying attention to the content of the Bible and the prophecies concerning our generation, then we will not miss the things that are going to happen in our generation, which will lead up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. We will not just be shouting and rejoicing or will not be envious of what is happening, the plan of God that is happening. But if we are attentive and pay attention to the prophecies of the Bible, we will not miss the prophetic moment. So this morning, I just want to end here saying that let's not miss the moment we are living in. Let's not miss the things that God is doing in our lives. The time and the prophecies that are happening in our lives, in our generation, let's not miss those moments. Let's be good students of the Bible. Let's pay attention to the plan of God. Let's seek the perfect will of God. As we celebrate Easter, let's ensure that the purpose of Easter will stand. We will pass that on. We will remind people, this is the reason why we celebrate Easter. We celebrate Easter for the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's not rejoice and shout and miss the very moment that we are observing. This prophetic moment. As we replay this prophetic moment in our, in our lives, in this year, in our generation, let's not miss the importance of it. But let's remember that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Let's tell other people that he loves them and that is why he died for them. That is why he sacrificed himself on the cross. And one day he's coming again. He's coming again for his church. Let's remind people, let's tell people that this is the purpose of Easter. This is the will of God for them, that they will be saved, that they are set free from the bondage of sin. They have been set free from the bondage of the enemy and from the bondage of darkness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, let's pray. Let's pray right now. Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name that we will not miss your visitation when you visit us, when you visit this nation, when you visit this church, when you visit our families, we pray that we will not miss it in the name of Jesus. When you bring us freedom, when you bring us liberty, we will not miss it, O oh God. But we are aligned to your will, we are aligned to your purpose in the name of Jesus. We will find you working in our hearts, working in our cities, working in our nations. When you visit this city, Father, we pray that we will not miss it. When you visit us, O oh God, we pray that we will not miss it. Father, we pray that the purpose of Easter will People will be reminded of the purpose of Easter in Jesus' mighty name. That it will talk about the death, the resurrection, the burial of Jesus Christ to the whole world. That as we celebrate Easter, the name that comes up will be Jesus. The purpose will be for your death and for your resurrection. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. 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 Glory Amen. to God.